here in person. Uh, if you are online, we want to invite you to come in person because there, it's, there's a special anointing. Jesus touches people who come in person. I'm just joking. I mean, but he does. <laughs> there is a power in the cluster. And, uh, and if you are watching online, uh, we're glad that you are watching online. If you're here in person, I'd love to see your, your smiling faces. How many of you enjoyed the last uh, series that we did called Unshakable? Anyone? It was a, we took the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and looked at the values of inside before outside, uh, heaven before earth, and an eternal kingdom versus a temporal kingdom, and how God has called us to build our lives on a foundation that is unshakable, which is the kingdom of heaven. And in a culture and in a society and just a, a framework right now uh, all throughout the world of uncertainty financially, politically, um, it's great to be a part of a kingdom that is unshakable. Amen? And no matter what happens, um, we serve a king that is the king of kings and the lord of lords. And, and I believe that uh, as things begin to shake, like Hebrews says, that God is going to shake everything that can be shaken so that those things that cannot be shaken will remain. And I believe he's calling us into a closer and deeper walk with the Holy Spirit, a, a deeper sense of trust and the ability to hear his voice uh, so that those things that begin to shake and as the world begins to get shaken, uh, they're going to be looking for a foundation that cannot be shaken, which is, which is Jesus. And so um, if you are part of his kingdom, God has called you into his kingdom for such a time as this. Uh, how many of you have friends, family, people that, that God has placed in your life that you know that he's called you to be a model of, of his kingdom for them? And every, he doesn't leave the world without hope. He doesn't leave the world without, uh, without direction. And you and I are part of that light that he's placed in our community. So um, God has called you. Uh, turn to the person next to you and tell the person next to you, God has called you for such a time as this. It's not by accident that you're here. Um, we're jumping into a new series, and the new series uh, is focused on relationship, that God has called every one of us. Uh, the Great Commission is to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then to love our neighbor as ourself. It's the Great Commandment and the Great Commission to go into all the world. And, and um, next week, we're going to be celebrating. Oh, for those of you that uh, were here last week, I was not here last week, and nobody said anything about me not being here last week, but I was sick last week. Uh, I had a temperature for, I don't know, seven days or something like that, so um, I'm better and uh, glad to be in the house this morning. Um, we are going to be celebrating Father's Day. Any fathers in the house this morning? We're going to be celebrating Father's Day next week, Sunday, and, uh, and then the Sunday after that uh, for the next three Sundays, I think, I'll be gone with my family. We're going to visit Sharina up in Michigan, so pray for us that uh, we stay friends and we stay, um, we stay siblings. Uh, we're going to be up there for a couple of weeks, and then uh, I'll be taking Sharina's kids, uh, a couple of her kids, to Israel, and uh, we'll do uh, just soak in the Word of God and, uh, and be in the Holy Land for a couple of weeks, and that's going to be amazing, so we're looking forward to that. Um, Sharina's actually trusting me with a couple of her kids, so I'll be taking them uh, to get baptized in the Jordan and hold them down super long. Um, <clears throat> just joking. Um, 
it would be, be a great time. So please keep us in prayer. Um, we're, we're jumping into a series called Intentional Relationships. Um, I was uh, in our small group this past week. I was talking to a couple of the guys, and, and we were just kind of reflecting on, on uh, what were some of the most joyous occasions in our lives uh, up until this point. And, and, if, if, and as we reflected back, we were thinking a lot of it had to do with uh, times that we shared with very close family or close friends. How many would agree with that, that some of the most joyous experiences in your life have been when you're surrounded with very close friends? And one of the things that happens as you get older is that you slowly lose connection with, you know, your college friends. Like when you're in college, you're just surrounded by people in the dorms all the time. You're, you're constantly like in community. But as you get older, you know, life happens and your, your circle gets a little bit smaller. It's just more your family and you're focused on raising your kids and the busyness of life. And, and then it becomes a little bit harder to develop those really important relationships in life. And, and one of the things that we have to do as people of God is to be intentional about the relationships that we develop because it's those relationships that keep us strong uh, with our relationship with the Lord. And so we're going to be talking about that uh, for the next couple of weeks. But the most important relationship. Everyone say, the most important. The most important relationship is your relationship with the Lord. And it's your uh, connection with him every single day. Um, one of the things, you know, as, as I'm watching my kids grow older, Alexis is, you know, back home from college. We're seeing Jackson and Jaden. They're leaving for college and uh, how many are going to be sad about Jackson and Jaden leaving? And we're not going to have the drums and the keyboard, and Andrea's going to be crying every week. Um, but as we see our kids growing older, we realize that time is precious and that it, time waits for no one. It's just it, the, the older you get, for some reason, it's like time goes by faster and faster and faster. And, and I begin to see the importance of stewarding uh, the most precious gift, which is time, and with our with our loved ones, and um, I was thinking through, like, am I being a good father? How many of you have had like those doubts and those questions, like, am I being a good enough father? Am I being a good enough dad? Am I being a good enough husband? And am I reflecting the love of God correctly to the people that uh, God has entrusted my life with? And a part of those questions, you know, I think when I, I don't know how you are. Um, but for myself, I, I'm very critical, and I think of all the, the things that I could have done better. And, uh, and, you know, there's different personalities. There's, like, my kind of personality, and then there's, the, like, the personality, like, uh, Andrea, who thinks she does everything right. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but I, I'm joking, I'm joking. Um, but some of us are a little bit more hard on ourselves than, than others. Um, and one of the things that I think, you know, I... I, I I say, God, how can I be a great, greater father, a better father, a better husband? Uh, and it always comes down to spending more time with God and just being loved by him, knowing him more so that I can reflect him in a better way. And um, uh, one of the things, you know, we're going, to be, we're going to be going through one of the most uh, famous Psalms, Psalms 23. In fact, why don't we read this together uh, before we jump into it? This is Psalm 23, David, king of Israel, and who was a great shepherd. It was his skills in being a shepherd that helped him to take down Goliath. 
and uh, he penned one of the greatest psalms that we know of today uh, that has been memorized by many people all around the world. And uh, even in World War I, World War II, uh, this, this scripture was uh, commended uh, to be memorized by a lot of the people in the military um, as a source of comfort during, uh, during the war. But let's read this scripture together at the count of three. One, two, three. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Uh, can we pray, and then we'll jump into the scripture. God, we just thank you so much for your word. God, that out of all the relationships that you've called us to steward, that our relationship with you is the biggest one. And Lord, that as we plug into you and as we uh, plug into the vine, you said that we will bear much fruit. Lord, that every call, every purpose, every plan that you have for every one of our lives is based in, in the consistency of coming to you and being dependent on your power and your presence in our lives. And God, we've, we come to you in a, in a uh, posture of learning. We come to you in a posture of humility. We ask that you speak to, to us through your word this morning. And we thank you for calling us into your kingdom and into your family for such a time as this. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So we're looking at, at uh, the main relationship in our lives that, that pour into every other relationship. That if we do our relationship with the Lord correctly, that he, his presence uh, goes with us and helps us to be a reflection of him in everything that we do. Um, one of the things, and so we're just going to take uh, different parts of this scripture and, and internalize uh, what God wants to speak to us uh, through his word this morning. Um, David, one of the things that I read this scripture is David was a king, um, and he was a shepherd now of an entire nation. And I believe that as he was a, a shepherd of an entire nation, there's a lot of times that he felt overwhelmed, that he felt uh, burdened, that he felt worried about being a good king and, and leading an entire nation. And it was in that time, I believe, that he he remembered what it was like to be a shepherd and how he led the sheep and, and took them by still waters and green pastures. And they didn't have to worry about what they were going to eat, what they were going to drink. They didn't have to worry about the bears and the lions because he was the one that was protecting them and providing for them. And I, I feel it was his heart during this time where he was the one that was overseeing all of Israel that he felt man, I wish someone was shepherding me. I wish there was somebody that, that was overseeing my life and helping and refreshing me. How many of you ever feel like that, that as a parent or as somebody that is responsible for other things in your life, how many of you ever get to a place where like, I'm taking care of so many other people, I'm taking care of so many other things, I just need to be taken care of. How many of you ever get to that place in your life where I, I want to be the sheep, I want to be the one that's taken care of, I want to be led into the, the green pastures. And I feel David, at, at this point in his life, he was, he was thinking back at while, when he was a shepherd and he was thinking, man, I, 
those sheep had it so easy. I wish I was one of those sheep. And then it was probably in that quiet time where God said, hey, you, you are one of my sheep. I am your shepherd. And it was in that, that like aha moment that I feel he penned this scripture where he was like, man, the Lord, he is my shepherd. And the same way that I shepherded sheep, God shepherds me. And so, um, you know, as I was like reading through this, I was kind of thinking of like when I was a kid. And when I was a kid, I, I didn't have any stress. I didn't have any worry. And I remember my dad, you know, I would lis- listen to his messages as he was the pastor of a church, this church, and, and he, he was saying, uh, he, would, he would talk about stress. And I remember thinking as I was a teenager, why do people stress out? And, and my dad was talking about the stress and the adverse effects of stress in, in, in your life. And, and I was thinking, man, aren't these guys Christian? Don't they trust Jesus? Why are they stressing out when they can just, like, give it to God? And then now I'm older. <laughs> and, and I realize it's not as easy just not to care. And I, I, was, I was talking to my daughter, who's back from college, and she was like, Dad, why do you stress out so much? Why do you worry about politics? Why do you worry about the economy? Why do you worry about all these things that you can't control? And I'm thinking in my mind, just shut up. <laughs> like, you're so young. And, you, and, and then I thought, I was like that before. How come I can't be like that now? And there's something about growing older that we begin to take on things that we're not supposed to take on. We're not suppo- we have no control of the economy. We have no control over the politics and everything that surrounds us. And, and one of the things that David was saying was, I don't need to worry about all these things because I have a shepherd. And so, so number one, trust Jesus as the good shepherd. Everyone say that. Trust Jesus as the good shepherd. Um, verse one, the Lord is my shepherd. Uh, John 10, 11, Jesus says it this way. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. I, I wrote, no matter what I go through, I know that Jesus laid his life down for me and I know that he loves me, and that I know for certain. You know, in the past season of our church, we've gone through a lot of different tragedies, like uh, Chris, Chris's passing from a drunk driver, uh, different ones that have got, gotten affected by COVID, um, different things that are unexpected in, in our lives. And I remember struggling with that, and one of the things that I was wondering was, like, why couldn't God have saved Chris? Why couldn't he have kept him from leaving his house just for another 10 minutes? Or why couldn't he have caused a drunk driver to, like, stay on the road just another couple seconds and then veer off, you know? And I struggled with those thoughts, and I, I, I called uh, Pastor Norman on Oahu where we talk every once in a while, and, and he, one of the things that he said, and I said, why didn't God just, like, you know, stop that from happening? And the first thing that came out of his mouth, he didn't even think about it. There was no pause. He just said, that's the sovereignty of God. And, I, and I, I said, so you believe that God was involved in that? And he said, yeah, God's involved in everything. He allows things to happen, and it's his sovereignty. And, and a part of me was thinking, like, then why did that happen? Why did God allow that to happen? And when I read what David wrote about the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, and Jesus said the good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. When I read that this past week, I realized I don't have to understand everything. 
I don't have to understand the reasons why bad things happen. I don't have to understand the reasons for tragedy. All I need to know is that Jesus loves me enough that he gave his life for me. All I need to know is that, that he loves me so much that he didn't spare his only son and gave his only son for me. And it's in the confidence of his love and knowing how much he cares about me and loves me that I can trust him. I can trust him in the uncertainty. I can trust him in the doubt. I can trust him in the tragedy. I might not understand everything, but I know he loves me. I know he loves you. And it's in that confidence of his love that we can trust. Isn't that amazing? That the Lord is our shepherd. And so as God has called us to shepherd other people and they ask why, we we don't know the answers. We're finite human beings. But what we can know for sure is that he's a good shepherd and he laid his life down for us. And it's because of that that we can trust. Because of his love. Amen? So David, he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Um, I shall not want. Trust Jesus as our provider. Trust him as our provider. Uh, Jesus says it this way. Let's read this at the count of three. Matthew 6, 31 through 34. One, two, three. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You know, it's so easy to worry about tomorrow. How many of you struggle with your worry about tomorrow? I mean, it's, it's human nature to, to, to think about tomorrow and to worry about it, especially when you see gas prices now a little bit higher, just a little bit higher today as it was yesterday. And you think, if we follow this trajectory, I'm going to be able to maybe buy enough gas to, to, to get to Kihei once a week or something. I don't know. And so it's our, it's our nature to worry. It's our nature to think ahead. Um, I was talking to, to one of the guys in church, Jeff, and uh, I, I, I always enjoy bantering back and forth with him. But he's getting into freeze-drying food. And he's like, John, you got to taste my freeze-dried ice cream. I, it, this freeze-dried stuff, it holds its... It's nutrition for 25 years, and you can leave it in your garage for 25 years, and it holds all the nutrition. And I'm thinking, there's no nutrition in ice cream. <laughs> but, but he's into all this freeze-dried stuff, and he's like, John, we can like, make our own storehouse, and if things happen where the barges aren't coming in, we can have a whole section of the church that has like freeze-dried ice cream. Like, that's a great plan. And I, I was thinking about it, and it, you know, for... for I was telling him, yeah, I'm not worried about, like, you know, food shortage or all that. Do you see how much deer we have on the island? Like, I'm just going to get an electric bike, and I'm going to go at nighttime and just shoot all the deer all over the island and have hundreds of pounds of, of meat. And he, and, and, and he goes, yeah, and we have chickens too. And I'm like, yeah, we have chickens everywhere, so we don't have to worry about, about food. But, um, you know, it's a part of our, our, our nature to, to worry. And, and Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious in itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And one of the things that David said, as a person who is being shepherded 
by God himself, is he said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I'm, I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to be anxious because the one who's taking care of me, he knows. He knows where tomorrow's provision is going to come from, and so I don't need to worry about that. I was talking to um, one of my pastor friends at Waipuna Chapel, and he said that he was stressing as the pastor uh, because one of the guys on his staff was saying, I'm never going to be able to afford a house here in Hawaii. And, you know, we keep seeing the, the, the prices of houses going up. And he said, John, you know, I feel, I feel stressed that I can't provide enough uh, income for one of my employees to, to stay here and, and buy a home. And he said that, uh, you know, it was, it was years of his, his uh, one of the guys on his staff that kept complaining about not being able to have a, a home. And he said just this past year that uh, someone in the church was, had an extra home at a vacation house and offered it to uh, one of the pastors on his staff for half the market value of the house. And so he got a chance to move in. And I was talking to him at the, the church camp this past uh, weekend. And he said, John, and, you know, he's, he comes from a Baptist background. He's like, I don't believe any of that prosperity gospel stuff. But I kind of believe it now because I got my house. <laughs> and he, he said, you got to come up and you got to drink coffee at, at the house that, that God just blessed us with. And I was like, man, that's so awesome. And he said, yeah, and you know what? There's like another, uh, another couple in our church. Uh, her name is Summer and uh, her husband, and uh, they had a neighbor that was moving out of the uh, moving out of the neighborhood, and they're kind of the same age in their like early 30s, and um, it was an older I guess Japanese couple across the street, and they were gonna move out of their home, and so she walked across the street. She was talking to them, and uh, she said that the woman said, "Yeah, we're gonna move out of the neighborhood. We're gonna sell our house," and she said, "Oh." How we're looking for a house. And she said, well, you guys have been such good neighbors. Like, we'll sell it to you guys without even putting it on the market and with no real estate agent. And it came out to, like, about half of market value that they gave it to, to her as. And I was listening to that, and I was thinking, you know, God is our provider. He does provide for us in supernatural ways. And we can allow him to be our shepherd. Amen? And one of the things that I do when I start worrying about the future is I recount the faithfulness of God in the past. How many of you have been provided for and you have seen the faithfulness of God in your life miraculously in the past? And it's so easy to forget about all the good things that God has done in the past and just to be constantly worried about the future. And one of the things that God calls us to do is to be grateful, to, to have an attitude of gratitude and to recount his faithfulness in the past because if he's been faithful in the past, he will continue to be faithful in the future. Amen? So, so Jesus is a good shepherd. He gives his life, lays his life down for us. He's our provider. Number three, Jesus, uh, trust Jesus to provide rest. Everyone say rest. Um, this is a, we're going to be going to Israel. This is a photo of En Gedi. It's a it's the springs of En Gedi. This is a place where uh, many historians believe that David, when he was running away from Saul, uh, found this oasis in the middle of the desert and hid in the caves of En Gedi from, from Saul. And I, I believe that when David wrote this in verse 2, and he said, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. I can... I can just imagine what it was like for David to be running away from one of the most powerful men of that day with thousands of people, thousands of soldiers at his disposal, hunting him down like a dog, 
And as he's hunting him down, God leads him into this place, En Gedi, a, a place of rest. And he looks, at, he, he looks back on his life and he thought, God was my shepherd during this time. He led me by the still waters. He, he leads me in the, in the green pastures. And even in a place where Saul is hunting my life, he restored my soul. Like how, how many of you need your soul to be restored? Like, we're living in a very fast-paced society where we have never lived in this kind of environment before. And now there's so many studies that are coming out about mental health. And, and the reason is, you're, whether you like it or not, you are a cyborg. You are. You have a cell phone in your pocket that anything that you want any question that you have is at the tip of your fingers, and it's actually like almost a part of you. My kids go crazy when they lose their phone or when their battery level is low. How many of you get anxiety when your battery level turns red? Anybody? It's like a piece of you is like dying. Be honest. I need power. I need to plug in. No. How much percent do you have? I only have 15%. I need that. How many of you? You don't have to. But we're constantly plugged in. Anything that we need to know, I want to know what time Ichiban closes today. I can just like, it's there at my fingertips. But emails, text messages, social media, Everything is at the tip of our fingertips, and the brain is just constantly going. And we have never lived in a society where there has been this much external stimulus. Um, and it's affected every part of the way that we live. Our, whether you like it or not, your attention span is pretty bad. Our attention span, collectively, as a society, has gotten really bad. Um, how many of you have seen the new Top Gun? Anybody have seen the new Top Gun? Okay, don't ruin it for everyone else. I, I, I heard that it's good. I want to watch it. And, uh, and I had this great idea. I was like, I'm going to teach my kids history. We're going to watch the old Top Gun together. So, so I had my kids come out. To, we're going to watch the old Top Gun. I put it on. Not even 15 minutes in, they're all sleeping. I'm the only one that made it through the movie. And the, the reason why I made it through the movie was because of nostalgia. I'm like, you know, they begin, I'm like, oh yeah. You know, I'm looking, I'm looking at my family, they're all sleeping. And and then at the end of the movie, you know, when 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 they win the day and they shoot down the planes and Tom Cruise comes out of the, the thing and he's like, yeah, you know, and I'm looking at the side and everyone's sleeping. And then Joss. She never saw the movie before my wife. She's just as old as me. She never saw the movie before. I said, you have to watch this movie. At the end of the movie, she goes, that was the most boring movie I've ever seen. <laughs> what is wrong with you? But I, I remember it being a whole lot more action-packed. I remember it being an action movie. And the, the second time that I watched it, it's no longer an action movie. It's a drama and it moves so slow. But it's because our society has just changed the wiring of our brains and we're constantly on clip. We're constantly, you know, everything is, is moving so fast. And, and because of that, there is issues with mental health. 
And one of the things that David said is, he makes me, everyone say, makes me. <laughs> he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me be, beside the still water. Sometimes, like this past week, God made me lie down. Seven days with the temperature. Without social media, without electronics, without markets, without anything. Because he was making me rest. And sometimes God has to make us rest. I remember when I was a kid that my dad, he would force us to take naps. And he would put us on the bed. I remember distinctly lying down on the bed, and he would be at the foot of the bed with a stick. And, and if I, I would always, like, open my eye to see if he was still there. And whenever I would open my eye, pack, I'd feel like a little snap on the bottom of my feet. And i oh, shucks. I would close my eyes again. And then I would always try to, like, sneak to see if he was there. Because if he was there, then I had to pretend I was sleeping. And if he wasn't there, then I could wake up. And he would stay there just long enough for, to force me to go to sleep. And I realized that he did that because he wanted rest from us. <laughs> that, that parents, they need their rest. And, and I don't know if that's what God does where he's like, I'm tired of their complaining and, and, and grumbling. They just need to rest. And he makes, us, he makes us lie down in green pastures. That was not, like when my dad did that, it was not green pastures. It was, anyway. Um, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters and he restores my soul. I think it's more important now than ever before that we margin time out of our day to spend time with the Lord and to rest. Um, there's so many studies that are coming out that are showing the importance of meditation. And it's not even studies that are Christian-based, but it's just scientifically-based that show the health of silence and solitude. And there's so many times in the Psalms where it says, be still and know that I'm God. And, and the word sila or rest or meditate on it is, is all throughout the Psalms. And it's something that's so missing from our culture today. Um, I, I just, um, you know, did a quick search and 12 science-based benefits of meditation. Um, number one, it reduces stress. How many of you would like less stress in your life? What you'll find is meditation is actually pretty hard work. For you to sit down and to focus on your breathing and to focus on silence and to be aware of the presence of God, it is actually quite difficult. How many of you have ever tried it? How many can do more than five minutes? They say 10 minutes of meditation is actually very healthy for you. And as a Christian, if you meditate on the presence of the Lord and allow his presence to minister to you, it's probably one of the most healthy things you can do for your mental health. Reduces stress. In an eight-week study, meditation style of mindful meditation reduced the inflammation response caused by stress. Did you know that just silencing your mind for 10 minutes a day in an eight-week study, it showed a reduction of inflammation because of stress? Isn't that amazing? 10 minutes a day of just stilling your mind and stilling your heart does that much good. 
and it's a biblical principle. Rest is a biblical principle. Further research showed that meditation may also improve symptoms of stress-related conditions, including irritable bowel syndrome. How many have, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> Post-traumatic stress disorder, fibromyalgia. Um, so it reduces stress. Two, it controls anxiety. How many of you would like less anxiety in your life? Three, it promotes uh, emotional health. Four, it enhances self-awareness. So many times you're doing stuff without knowing why you do it. It's just a response, a stress response. And when you meditate and you reflect, it allows God to speak to you and to really question why are you doing what you're doing. It enhances self-awareness. Five, lengthens your attention span. How many of you would want your kids to have a longer attention span? Anyone? Length, lengthens attention span. It, <laughs> this is a great one. It may reduce age-related memory loss. How many of you find yourself forgetting things a little bit more often? Anyone? Meditation could help with that. Uh, it can generate kindness. It can help to fight addictions. It helps control pain. It can actually decrease blood pressure. And it helps to focus your attention. All of these things are, uh, are findings of what meditation can do um, in, your, in your body. Um, one of the things that I, I, I have incorporated into my daily routine is uh, an app called Lectio, uh, Lectio 365. And it's just a practice of meditation on scripture. And uh, if you you know, have an iPhone or whatever, you can actually do a search for Lectio 365, and it's probably five to eight minutes of just meditation on scripture, and it's been such a blessing um, in, in my devotional time. So uh, if you want to download that and um, use that to, to meditate, uh, a guided meditation on scripture, that's, that's a great resource. Um, so David, he says that uh, Jesus provides rest. He's a shepherd that provides rest. He uh, trust Jesus to protect us. Let's read verse 3 through 5. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over. Jesus is your defender. He's my defender. So many times, we feel we need to defend ourselves. We need to stand up for our rights. We need to be the one that is our own, uh, our own voice. And what David said is, I'm not going to, that's not my job. My job is to rely on the shepherd and let him uh, defend me. How many of you can trust Jesus to defend you, defend your name, defend your reputation, defend your rights? He is our shepherd, um, not ourselves. Number five, Trust in the blessing and the belonging to his family. Verse 6, I love the way that David ends this psalm. Uh, let's read this together. One, two, three. That surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's read that again. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can we have the worship team come up and we're going to close this morning? Um, this is the promise of God, is that no matter what is happening in your life, 
You might have things that, that you're going through that you don't understand or things that uh, tragedy or, or things that you question. Why does God allow these certain things to happen? And David was not unexposed. He was not a stranger to tragedy in his life. And if you look at his life, his life was not just a stable trajectory up. It was a series of peaks and troughs of very high points and very low points in his life. And I take comfort looking at the life of David because can you imagine being a shepherd boy and being a shepherd boy that all of a sudden a prophet comes to your house and says, you're going to be the king of all of Israel. How many of you would think that's a pretty pretty awesome thing to happen, a, a, a pretty big peak? And then from there, he rides that peak and, and challenges Goliath, becomes a national hero, and invited into the palace, becomes the, uh, the he, he gets the, the daughter of the king, as his wife, but then from there, gets chased out of the kingdom and sought like a dog, has his wife taken from him, all of the riches that he has wiped out, and then he's a fugitive for 15 years and, and hunted like a dog through the wilderness. And then, and then God brings him back to, to reigning on the throne in a, 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 a slow transition of Saul's house to David's house. And then everything goes good for a season. And then there's Absalom. You know, there's like these peaks and troughs in his life. And in all the peaks and troughs, he says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He wasn't a stranger to the valleys. He wasn't a stranger to, to hardship. But he was one who trusted in the good shepherd. And in every single peak, in, in every single valley, he went back to, the Lord is my shepherd, I, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. And in all of our lives, there's an invitation that God has for you, he has for me, that we don't need to be our own shepherd. We don't need to have everything figured out. We don't need to take care of ourselves. He, his invitation is, I want to be that shepherd for you. I want to be the one to take care of you. I want to, to be the one that you trust with your life. And surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And you'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How many of you are appreciative of that? That we serve a God that is a good shepherd. Can we all stand and we're going to close with this song. God, we just thank you, Lord, that you are the good shepherd, that you have laid your life down for us. And no matter what is going on in our lives, no matter what season we're in, no matter if we're in a peak or a trough, whether we're on a mountain or a valley, that you are there for us. And you've called us into this relationship with you so that we can not just receive from you, but that we can be those who give your love and give your presence to those around us. So God, we declare our trust in you this morning. We pray that you touch us and draw us into your presence in a special way in Jesus' name. Can we just sing this uh, to close? I just want to pray for those that you're in a place this morning where you've given a lot of care to others and you've shepherded others and you're in a place where you're saying, I've, I've 
neglected being shepherded by God. And I want to make sure that I'm putting myself under the care of the good shepherd. If that's you this morning, you're saying, I want more of his presence in my life. I want to come under his shepherding so that I can be in a place to shepherd others. If that's you, uh, I just want to pray for you this morning. Could you just raise your hand? And I want to say a prayer over you this morning. God, I thank you for every single person whose hand is up this morning. God, you have called us as in an invitation to be shepherded by you the same way that David was had so many responsibilities and he had so many uh, people who are relying on him and and leaning on him. He needed somebody that would care for him and shepherd him and take care of him. And, and Lord, I pray for every single person whose hand is up, Lord, that you're calling them into a deeper place with you. You're ca- calling them into a deeper dependence with your spirit. And God, I just pray that, that your spirit would draw close to them this week. Lord, that, that they would pursue you with a greater passion, that they would sit in your presence every morning to hear your voice and to be in your presence and to be sensitive to what you have for them that day. God, I pray for, for those that are experiencing mountaintops right now. God, that you would be with them in the power of your resurrection. And God, everyone who is in the valley this morning and searching for answers, God, that you would be with them in the fellowship of suffering. And God, that you would draw us closer to you, that we are your people. We are the sheep of your pasture. And we come before you as the good shepherd with total trust and surrender, knowing that you are a good shepherd, that you are a good God. Lord, we thank you that you're calling us not just to receive from you, but in a world that's so uncertain and so so full of uncertainty, God, that you would help us to ground ourselves in your kingdom that is unshakable and to be shepherded by you so that we can help to shepherd others. We thank you for your goodness in Jesus' wonderful name. And all God's people said, amen. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Have a great week and God bless you.